0: It's a peaceful protest. We're walking, raising awareness. Some of the injustice that we've been seeing is not okay. And as a young person, you got you
1: to
0: gotta listen to our perspective. Our voices need to be heard.
1: People are going to look back. Our kids are going to look back at this and say, you were a part of that. I got a grandfather that marched next to Dr. King in the 60s, and he was amazing. He would be proud to see us all here. We got to keep pushing
2: forward. Sports are like the reward of a functional society. Sirius XM Sports
0: presents Forward Progress, a weekly open conversation on race and sports in America. Here are your hosts, Jason Jackson and Kirk Morrison.
1: Kirk, great to be back with you. Uh, I wish that we could get into the things, as we have a heavier burden oftentimes on this show, not to take anything from any particular show, but we're always kind of in the weeds of the tougher discussions uh, that get beyond X's and O's and and the reason why we find ourselves in in sport. Uh, for you realizing that you had the skill set to take you to the dreamland and <laughs> for me to channel my dreams into a space that allowed me to still be around competition. But the responsibility that we took on in a a more in-depth discussion always careens us uh, into challenging waters. And we've been in challenging spaces uh, before on this program. And I have to tell you, just walking into this space today uh, to uh, embrace our responsibility has honestly been super challenging for me only because it's the proper tone to advance has always been our goal. That's it's in the title of the program. Correct. Forward Progress is identify a problem, give people a platform that they usually don't have and, and then extend into problem solving. If at the very least we're getting people thinking about the next thing. Uh, gun violence is and has been uh, a conundrum for our society that hits so many different walls and the exhaustion of saying and doing the same thing over and over, and, but not getting the result that those of us who can't even understand why we necessarily need our hands on these weapons, um, isn't it a ch- it's not a challenge. Politically, it's not a, it's not a challenge constitutionally. Right. It's trying to figure out what is it about the American spirit that says because of an element of uh, of allowance, let's leave it at that, that we feel like there shouldn't be proper guardrails up for the most vulnerable among us. And I've, for the last day, tried to figure out what is the proper tone, what is the right presentation we should have in a program that's already a a footprint out of its standard realm of competition discussion and understanding the growth and the benefit of diversity, inclusion. and, and and wanting to have and and provide more. You can even, I'm only hesitating because I'm trying to maintain a decorum that's proper, Right. the discourse, uh, but I'm furious and I'm frustrated right. and conflicted all the time because in the end, we're talking about people's babies that are dead and... The back and forth that you read, the back and forth that you hear, all of it falls short of true empathy or sympathy for people who yesterday, as we take this, on on Tuesday of this week, dropped off their children to the place where they're supposed to be and got the most horrific news of their life for no reason that they injected, but because a deranged and demented individual had access, fired once again, <laughs> something he shouldn't have. And and then the ignorance of the discourse that radiates out of that, um, and the inconsistencies and the hypocrisy that starts to unfold, which we can get to, but I at least wanted to open it so there was room for us to get started. No, I mean that's uh, it's a
2: beautifully put because it's still a situation for me that's you know with kids who are in elementary school, you know having to do that drop off this morning before we tape. It's uh, I, <laughs> I um, every morning I get up, you know I wake the kids up a little bit, you know Dad likes to do breakfast in the morning, and what I like to do, Jax, is. I, I uh, always turn the TV on. My kids know I, I'll have the local news on. So my son, who will be uh, eight years old next week, he walks down the stairs this morning. And look, local news is on. Just, just like you know, local news is on. Mm-hmm. And he walks down. He says, oh, dad, turn it, turn it. Guns are on TV. Guns are on TV. And I look. And it said, investigation ongoing in school shootings. And he said, why does it say school with guns? So you understand know the young children don't even know. And I don't even know if I'm able to bear telling him that school may be unsafe right. because I don't want him to think that going into school every day, that there could be a shooter. There could be this. Um, I've had parents in our group chats who, um, who are now saying, Hey, are we making sure the school has, uh, what is it? The uh, active shooter protocol. Oh, what the drills. Of oh, the drills, yeah. yeah are, we, are, right. are, we, are we doing those? Have they done those? Mm. And I'm sitting here like, <laughs> growing up, I never had to worry about that. The only drill we had was that fire drill. And mm-hmm. you just knew you was getting out of school for about 10, 15 minutes to go line up outside on the schoolyard and see how everybody outfits. And now we're talking about active shooter drills. And trying to tell my son, oh, yeah, I'll turn the channel. Don't worry about it. That's nothing. Don't worry. And then to drop them off at school and to think, man, how those parents in Uvalde, Texas are feeling today and for the rest of their lives, having lost their their child. It's mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's unbelievable, man. It really is. And it, it goes to show like over the last two or three weeks, we've had pretty much a, every community has been affected. Right, <clears throat> we are talking about uh, what's happened in Buffalo at the Tops store, the shooting there. Um, then, right after, a church in Southern California, Asian community was hit there. Now, a primarily uh, Mexican American community, um, you know, south of San Antonio in Uvalde, Texas, with the kids, that has now been affected. So, we're seeing multiple minority communities. Affected by gun violence, and yet Jax is just—it's you, you. You begin to say, and and I saw this the other day. It's like you're still grieving on one, and guess what? Oh, here's another one tomorrow, and then oh, there's another one the next day, and now my focus has is going on the current, and yet we're forgetting about the past of a week ago, two weeks ago, of people who are still grieving that are still fresh in their mind. And at the end of the day, it still falls back to mention gun violence, politics. But it also puts a lot of athletes in the forefront because you're very well, you know, you're you're knee deep in the uh, NBA playoffs right now with the Miami Mm -hmm. Heat. But when you have players who are being asked these questions now, because people want to know what their comments are. Here they are playing a game but yet people want to hear the comments of professional players and how are they feeling about competing while what's going on in our country in multiple, I mean, in different areas of our country are going through this grieving process. How are they handling
1: it? It's, it's been unreal, man, the last couple of weeks. In advancing the conversation and and trying to find the right solution Um, there is this careening between who's really at fault, right? Right. And we could do an entire show on that. Correct. We we do have uh, other work on the show, which sounds small, even in the presentation, but there's work that has been done and there's more opportunity to discuss this in fruitful ways down the road for us as well. Uh, But I do at least want to share the thoughts of Steve Kerr before game four in Dallas on Tuesday night. His father, Malcolm, was the president at American university in Beirut. Uh, And if I'm not mistaken, I believe that's where Steve was born as well. Mm -hmm. And um, gun violence of the highest order uh, took his father from him in uh, the mid eighties when he was a freshman at, at Arizona, matter of fact. And he he said, and has said over time, that uh, before my father was killed, my life was impenetrable. Bad things happen to other people. And I think oftentimes, and I love that, that honesty from him, um, because I think as individual families and individual citizens, we feel like, We can turn on the news and then turn it off. Read these articles, then turn them off. Be enraged for as much as we can muster and then just move on to the next thing. This has sat with Steve Kerr, so many young Steves and Kerr families for decades. And it's on their skin. And this is what it sounds like.
3: I'm not going to talk about basketball nothing's uh happened with our team in the last six hours we're going to start the same way tonight um, any basketball questions uh, don't matter um, since we left shoot around 14 children were killed 400 miles from here and a, and a teacher and in the last 10 days we've had elderly black people killed in a supermarket in Buffalo, we've had Asian churchgoers killed in Southern California, and now we have children murdered at school. When are we going to do something? I'm tired. I'm I'm so tired of getting up here and offering condolences to, to the devastated families that are out there. I'm so tired of the—excuse me. I'm sorry. I'm tired of the— Moments of silence. Enough. There's 50 senators right now who refuse to vote on H.R. 8, which is a background check rule that the House passed a couple of years ago. It's been sitting there for two years. And there's a reason they won't vote on it, to hold on to power. So I ask you, Mitch McConnell, I ask all of you senators who refuse to do anything about the violence and school shootings and supermarket shootings, I ask you, Are you going to put your own desire for power ahead of the lives of our children and our elderly and our churchgoers? Because that's what it looks like. It's what we do every week. I'm fed up, I've had enough. We're gonna play the game tonight, but I want every person here, every person listening to this to think about your own child or grandchild or mother or father or sister brother. How would you feel if this happened to you today? We can't get numb to this. We can't sit here and just read about it and go, well, let's have a moment of silence. Yeah, go Dubs, you know. Come on, Mavs, let's go. That's what we're going to do. We're going to go play a basketball game. And and 50 senators in Washington are going to hold us hostage. Do you realize that 90% of Americans, regardless of political party, want Background check, universal background check. 90% of us, we are being held hostage by 50 senators in Washington who refuse to even put it to a vote, despite what we, the American people, want. They won't vote on it because they want to hold on to their own power. It's pathetic. I've had enough.
1: For Coach Kerr to use his platform as he consistently has, for this message and so many others, Mm -hmm. Uh, is refreshing. But what I get from that that's just jaw-dropping that stops me is the pain that maintains. It sits there and calling on the people who can truly do something because the, the, the problem is the nothingness, right? And even people that we know, love, and respect on the right who are trying to deflect us from actual gun use being the problem um, and turning to mental health dynamics, although that not many of those folks could wrap their minds around mental health when we're talking about reforming policing. So this is an right. interesting space, which I'm willing to agree upon, but we're going to have to agree upon it consistently. And um, all the way to the the left, where you're having the idea of just taking the, the guns out of the street, which the, the data or, or not just off the street, but not it's illegal to have them correct outside of of those jobs in the military and law enforcement, which make people extremely nervous and and bounce against the constitutional ideas of being able to protect yourself against those things. If it comes to that, um, this is not a easy Dynamic. It's not an easy solution, but I'm with Steve in the sense of you weren't elected for the easy thing. You're not elected to be lobbied so hard that the hundreds of people that die every year in your state due to gun violence pales in comparison to the million bucks or so that you get your pockets lined with for elections. I
2: mean, so many people are affected by this. We talked about the different communities. I think when I, when I listened to, you know, that, that audio there from Steve or coach Kerr um, the one thing that really stood out to me was, I think going back to being a professional athlete before every game, you know, we talk about the, the star spangled banner. We go out there and sing our national anthem, but you know, how many times do we, before every game, we have to have a moment of silence. You know, a moment of silence for people of Uvalde and Buffalo, Southern California, wow. where these mass shootings have taken place. And you would hope that our country is that, hey, we can go out and, and have the, the freedom and the love and respect and honor of each other. And have that, that what we think America is all about, the freedom to everyone to 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 love one another. And yet when you consistently every single time. And I and I watched sort of the video of the, you know, moment of silence before, you know, these basketball games of recent. And you can still see like, you know, Steph Curry even said it like it's tough. It's tough to go out and play a basketball game, knowing that many of the players People around it are parents, and having to deal with this, and still not seeing a conc- uh, a, a, a solution being made. And Jacks, it's it's sort of that. What do they call it? The uh, the the circle or the square, or whatever. It I was looking at it uh, this morning, and it's we show our outrage. We show how much we want things to change. We'll, 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 you know, bitch and moan and we'll, we'll talk loud. And then it gets through social media and then it'll go to the, the House, the Senate. And it'll sit there for a while. And in the meantime, something else happens. And now we're going through this whole entire circle with no, no solution. No, no, nothing, nothing that, that comes about it. Like there's true anger. I could see, I could see it in you. I could see it in myself. I could see it in a lot of people, but there is a real anger right now, but yet we still can't seem to find the solution. We know what it is, but that it's not being done. Like think about it, it is not being done. And we go through this. How many times? I mean, what was it? Um, Sandy hook, right? Mm-hmm. You know, we think about that. how, 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 we like, man, that, those kids, Sandy Hook, it was an elementary school, I believe. And
1: Yeah, a wave of change. energy that we thought at that time was going to be the linchpin to actual, actual change. And, and here
2: we are, 10 years later, same thing. No. We're still going through it.
1: There are arguments that the background checks that Coach Kerr was talking about aren't enough, but it's something. Um, man, I got so deep in trying to think about what, how can I impact something personally? I'm talking about like mind blowing stuff. Like, am I supposed to, like, I want to do something that changes in this space. Am I supposed to resign from the Miami heat, resign from Sirius XM NBA radio and, and devote all of my time and energy, uh, to this? Is it that thing that alters the path? And I don't, I honestly don't know the answer to that.
2: But I think also too, you have a have a voice uh, in the conversation that you're having now. We, we reach some, not all, but we reach some. And if we can reach one and that one can reach another, and we're opening up the discussion and dialogue about how we can use the power of the vote, right? Uh, the power of how we can make change. I mean, you just hope that that's what it is. I mean, there's going to be some, you know, I think,
1: yeah, but, but honestly, Kirk, we need all of it, right? All of it. Yeah. We need fewer guns that can be purchased. Correct. More stringent, uh, rules in purchasing more, uh, mental health. Why are we screaming at each other about no, it's, we need to do this. No way. Get rid yourself of your agenda and identify the fact that more shootings than days right. have occurred in this year. Yeah. <laughs> so if you don't want to blame the guns, or if you don't want to blame the people, or if you do want to blame the people, or you do want to blame, just, can we all agree that it's a freaking problem? Can we internalize someone else's grief and get beyond what we think is best for us. I guess
2: you said it. Um, let's just admit that there's a problem. Admit that there's a problem, because I saw some something even more disgusting. Was that what happened in Uvalde um, Was a case of of of, of illegal immigrants. That, Oh, this is in an area. This
1: is a U.S. citizen that bought a gun legally.
2: Correct. But I say, well, th- that's th- that's how that's how disgusting that some people in this country are trying to view the situation. Saying because uh, I think his name was Sylvester Ramos was the uh, the, the the shooter's name. He is no longer uh, with us, and um, his despicable act. But there are some people in our country who believe that. See. We told you this is, again, because of immigration, allowing folks to come in like and th- that's it's not, that's not even the case. But some people are going to shape this and say hey, that's really the problem. But we know what the, the true problem is, the gun initiatives that we need to have taken place. To your point, all the 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 guidelines that have to now should be in place instead of having now people try to spin this. I I couldn't believe that. I read that this morning. I said, are you serious? You really going to try to say, oh, but see, ice, we got to get down there. That's what's going on. Come on, man. Let's
1: take a quick break. When we come back, um, we we rewind to yet another scenario that was unthinkable earlier in the month in Buffalo. This very month. And uh, how the love, it seems odd to Bridget, but it is true. The, the, the love of cornhole outside of the love <laughs> of this game of football has guided uh, Deion Dawkins to impact the lives of people in a, in a positive way and raise some money for uh, survivors and reaching out to other nonprofits in the Buffalo area to uplift people in such a horrible time. We'll do that as Forward Progress continues. You're listening to Forward Progress on Sirius XM Radio. Because we know the uh, devastation following the massacre, it's what it is, in Buffalo. Um, the, the next step in these communities is to lift, right? To try to find some goodness and and move forward as best you can while these hearts and these families are staggered for the rest of their lives by, by these tragedies. As you could hear in the voice of Coach Kurt earlier in the program, if you heard, missed any of the program, it's always available on the XM app. Uh, but Deion Dawkins, offensive lineman for the Buffalo Bills, loves cornhole, <laughs> was already going to have this massive tournament for his own foundation, uh, Deion's Dreamers. Uh, and decided uh, obviously in the wake of all this uh to shift everything and to make sure that the proceeds reach into people's lives and 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 just lift a space it's taking the entire mentality away or the ideas and and the frightened aspect of of what changed on that that 14th day in May and and try to number one put some resource behind the upliftment of those lives. Uh, but also I imagine trying to, uh, provide some source, some outlet, some goodness for the people in the area. Here's Dion on that himself.
0: After those, uh, those events, everybody's situation was, uh, and was heightened. Like people didn't really know what was going on or what was going to happen next. Cause, um, the world isn't talking about also the stuff that's going on after that event that has happened in buffalo like buffalo has been literally like like two sides like it's been the blacks it's been the whites it's been caucasians it's been african-americans whatever you want to call it but um just to hit on buffalo first with uh the bills you know we came together and we um basically just just said this is what and we're doing and of course, everybody was on board, everybody wanted to do more, but the initial step was honestly just being present, you know, in um, a time and like that, uh, for a community that looks up to the, the bills and what the bills does for this area, you know, it was just be present, just show love, and honestly, just um, make a smile, you know, just be, be there for those people. And even the people in the community we're just standing there like like literally just standing there outside of their house, just watching us, just just watching us there, you know, applauding us and honestly just welcoming us to their environment. And uh it was definitely an eye opening experience because even like some of the rookies that got here, like they don't really even understand Buffalo yet. And for the city to open up to us how they did a couple days ago, um It's it's literally like heartbreaking and honestly also a a true honor to even be welcomed by the city, how, and they did, because they could have said, look, Bills, get up out of here. Like y'all are in Orchard Park and in Hamburg and y'all are in the hood. But, you know, they accepted every last one of us with open arms um, and we came with flowers, food, um, everything, just, just to help that community, just to, you, you know, just put a I, brick. Like, bro, just put a D, brick there. D, D let, me, let me stop you here, bro. Yeah. Because as athletes, right, like we're trained to overcome. We get hurt, we get up, you got to move forward. You got to mask pain. I think uh, a lot of us, you know, black people, you know, we are, what's the word? Desensitized? Is that the word? We're numb to we're it. Numb to it, yeah. Right. And then also the world now blacks and whites, you know, we're numb to a lot of these things. When you're not there, I don't think it really hits you. Mm. Right? You don't feel it because you're numb to it. Mm-hmm. Bro, you were there. Mm-hmm. So being at that scene, what came up for you? Well, truly, it was it was a bunch of different things, for real, B. Um, but I would say the number one thing that came up was that my people were attacked. And that's where my mind was at. And you know the people are asking questions and they're interviewing us. And I told every media like outlet that put the the microphone in my face that my people were attacked. And I told them, no matter if I have a Buffalo Bills logo on my shirt and right now, which that logo was sitting right here, I uh, there there was cops there that were African American blacks. There was firefighters there like that were blacks. There were people in the in the in the food line like that were black. There was. Maintenance people there like that were black. Like I said, no matter whatever height in these people's life, they attacked us as a group and they attacked our people and they attacked my people. I just wanted them to understand that this is a a drastically different thing. They specifically mapped out the demographic of the area and attacked this area and attacked my people and attacked our people. And that was the number one thing that was going through my head that. In 2022, people are still putting us in in this little corner and just aiming at us and you know just picking us apart or trying to pick us apart with situations and like this and um and truly that and like how I mentioned with with starting that there's been so many more things that have happened after that like they have gone on a spree of of threats of honestly targeting other places like oh like we're going to get the Walmart next and, and 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 all these places and we get the the messages on on our phone from our security and and our people and just stay away from from this area and this is what's going on and then you have people that are commenting on people's posts like yeah, clean up on on aisle one, two, three, four. A police officer and said that. Yeah, like, like a police officer saying that. And that officer lost his job um, from, from him saying that. And but still, like, honestly, I got people that are probably, and my neighbors, that are looking at me like, look, like that's Dion's house. Like, you know, it's us against them. And he's one of them. So there's like, there's a whole bunch of stuff. And that's going on that, that, People think, oh, that event happened. It's over. Let's recover. No, like they are beating right. at the womb. They are beating at us, beating at yep. us, and beating at us, and beating at us over and over and over and over and over again. And and uh, like you said, like like in a way, we are numb to it because we're and we're taught and we're programmed to to you know take a hit, take an injury, and just get up and just keep pushing. Like I got to get up and work out every day looking at people and 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 thinking about DAG, like i gotta stop at the gas station shoot like my daughter wants something like like i need to go ahead and get that like like different situations like i'm like man like what am i like honestly supposed to to do now because even though my name is deion dawkins in buffalo but i'm still a black african american man like for the people that that wouldn't know me like shoot, like at a quick glance, oh snap! I got a big one. I'm in the same pool as everyone else. Are you scared? Hell yeah, I'm scared. Hell yeah, and and just like what you said, like it's different from not being here. I'm here. Like I am here. I'm present. I'm here. That is 25 minutes from where I live at, and I might seem far. That shit is not far. If somebody could 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 drive 200 plus miles to get here on a plan. Attack. I live 25 minutes. I'm a blink away.
1: That courtesy of I Am Athlete tonight, which you can hear on Mad Dog Sports Radio each weeknight, seven to nine PM Eastern, as well as on the SXM app, included with all of our trials and popular plans. So there was already gonna be this event um that that Dawkins was already having in place for his own foundation. Um but what a what a thing to just pivot off of self as I was just talking about in our last segment and trying to do something to wrap a cloak around uh, the people that are um, probably coincide with the great support that he and that team receive in that city. Yeah, man. I mean, this is uh still, still hitting me a
2: little hard too, Jax, because, you know, I played eight years in the NFL. My last two were in Buffalo and that Buffalo community, I knew of it. But kind of to what Dion was saying there in the, in, in the clip is that once you when you're around it, mm. you really start to say whoa. It's kind of two sides to Buffalo. Say the Buffalo Bills they play in Orchard Park, so more uh, you know suburban, more uh, Caucasian Americans. Not, not a lot of minorities over in Orchard Park. But yet when you need to get things done, we need to go find some things. You got to go over to Buffalo, over the north side. (laughs) And you walk through and you're driving through and you can see what Buffalo used to be. A booming city, you know, a booming city in terms of its industrial needs. and, And a lot of people who live there or who still live there or have ancestors there, whatever. I mean, ancestors who 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 came there for a better opportunity. And when this shooting happened, Jax, me and my wife immediately looked at each other because it was a point when, like I said, I, I got, I signed as a free agent in Buffalo and we were having our first Thanksgiving, right? A Thanksgiving in Buffalo. And so at the area I lived in, me and my wife, we're looking all over, man. We're driving up to different stores, right? Couldn't find some smoke neck bones. And smoked turkey legs for the greens. I'm We looking all over, Jacks. We try to find it. and We can't find it. <laughs> so I finally, I said, <laughs> we try to find it, man. We try to get these greens right. But they said, "Um." and I remember I asked one of the local guys who I knew there. He said, oh, man, you got to go to the tops over on the north side. He said, go to the tops on the north side. And I remember went over there. I walked in the tops, me and my wife, and there you had it. It was smoked neck bones, it was smoked pork, it smoked turkey leg, all the stuff that you needed, but it was it was our community though. It was the minority community, it was the black community that had the, the things that people needed to celebrate traditions of, of, of the soulful Thanksgiving. And I remember going through that store and it was like, man, this trust, it's a totally different store. It is a community place where people came to visit and see other people. You you would see cousins and friends. And, and I I said, man, like this, this shooting, it, it, it hurt an entire part of Buffalo, the minority part, the black part where Mm -hmm. people went to see each other, to hang out. It was a grocery store. And I, like me being there, like I I, I saw it. So when I see the shoot, I'm like, man, I was no, but that was a store that me and you, we had our Thanksgiving in Buffalo where we could find the items that we needed that wasn't at the regular store that we saw. Right. So I know that this hits that community hard because you walk through and you just felt, for me, I felt a sense of home away from home when I was in Buffalo at, in that area. So I get it, man. I, I get what Dion, who's really into it now. You stayed here for, in Buffalo a couple of years. It's that part of the community that a lot of folks may not be able to go to the games, but they watch it and they know it, and they love a Buffalo Bills. And so to see some of him and his teammates, you know, recently came out, some that were paying for some of the funeral expenses for the families who couldn't um, handle it. So, you know, this affects a community, but the athletes who represent that community as well. To see them go all in, man, it's you know my props to to
1: Dion and his teammates and, and the Buffalo Bills organization. Dawkins wants to make sure that efforts to help the Eastside community uh, continue well after the flood of immediate support. So he's taking time to find additional nonprofits to support in the future. And he's a member of the Bills Players Community Leadership Committee. So he'll be tapped in in that space. And of course, as I mentioned earlier, from its tournament, uh, they pivoted everything and every uh, bit of the proceeds benefit the Buffalo 514 Survivors Fund and Buffalo Community Response Fund. We'll take uh, another break when we come back. Last week, Kirk, uh, while you were on assignments, uh, <laughs> Amin Hassan and yours truly were together, and we rolled through the finalists for uh, the Kareem Abdul-Jabbar Social Justice Award. The winner has been named. We will introduce him and the reasoning behind uh, what he champions when we return here on Forward Progress, you're listening
3: to Sirius XM
1: Radio. Radio. We
0: now return to Forward Progress. Here's Jason Jackson and Kirk Morrison. Last
1: week, Amino Hassan, who was like, he's our resident filler on this program. <laughs> we appreciate our brother, uh, was here with me, Kirk. Uh, and we went through all of the finalists for the 2022. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar Social Justice Champion Award. Uh, Dallas Mavericks Reggie Bullock was named the winner of that award. Uh, super hype for him. Uh, deserved uh, with his amazing work to promote uh, LGBTQ inclusion and to curb gun violence uh, in honor of his sister. Congratulations to him.
2: Yeah, man, I was. That's a that's a huge award. Um, yeah. Because it's only the second time it's been given out. You know, it's the, um, the previous uh, award winner, Carmelo Anthony, right? Um, but he winner. was, yeah, for what he was able to do and kind of get going as far as his initiatives. And then now for Reggie Bullock to have this award, because this is something that's outside of the game, right? So much of these, as an athlete, you, everyone's, your focus is on the court, on the court, on the court. But when you have time, when you are away from the court, what motivates you, what moves you. And a lot of times it's things that affect you uh, as a person. Yeah, We all want to make sure that we're doing what's best for our community and helping out and giving others an opportunity. But when I look at what Reggie's doing, it's about the education part, educating people, especially in a topic that is some that people aren't educated enough about, the LGBTQ community. So to me, this was even bigger than just the social justice, equality issues that we face, this was also, I think, not only on top of that, but an education piece for people who don't necessarily understand that community as much as it is affected uh, Reggie Bullock. Let's hear from
1: him uh, as he has had this advocacy for equity for his entire NBA career, but of course heightened when his sister who was transgender was murdered in 2014.
0: It's a great award to have um, it's probably one of my most powerful awards that I ever won in life. Um, just to know that the work that I've done for my sisters within the community and trying to make things better is all, uh, you know, I'm just doing what's right, being able to use my platform. And I'm just glad that, you know, I won the award and can continue to do things for my city and all over the world.
1: So his focus is, particularly from a foundation standpoint, uh, focuses on LGBTQ support mm-hmm. and uh, the nonviolence movement. That man has impacted so much in the community, particularly with Dallas-based organizations. It's just wonderful that now moved in to the discussion, uh, to the upliftment, to the awareness, to the acknowledgement uh, of a, a part of uh, our society. Quite honestly, let's be really clear that the African-American community uh, could improve in in our own view and impact uh, in this space. Our growth is apparent and clear, but man, for the majority of my life, watching the trajectory of that growth, it's been massive and has had to have been. And so even applaud Reggie, even more so in that space. Yeah, you, uh, I think
2: you have to applaud him more because this is, this is uh, definitely... Um, something that's tough because a lot of people don't understand too, right? They, they see uh, the, you know, the LGBTQ, and then it's like, oh, you know, I kind of want to stay away. And, and here you have an NBA player who has affected him personally, who says, I'm willing to stand out in front and, and be a voice yeah. and, and, and be someone to lean on um, in this space. And I think that's, that's huge. And that's what the, the award is, is really all about is recognizing those guys. Um, you know, you can kind of hear it there. Hey man, I got an award. you know what I mean? Like yeah. that means that my hard work is not going unnoticed. And that's what I think a lot of folks want, you know, hey, I'm doing the work and sometimes you feel like, man, no, no one even cares, but to see, you know, to, for him to be awarded this, this, uh, you know, the cream Abdul, cream Abdul-Jabbar, uh, social Justice Award, man, this is uh, this is huge for him, definitely huge, and it's a
1: great spotlight for him as well. It aligns so perfectly, right, with the mission mm-hmm. of the award. It, right. it, as it's written, uh, the award goes to the NBA player who best shows dedication to pursuing social justice and advancing right. Abdul-Jabbar's life mission to uh, engage and empower individuals and groups who have been historically marginalized or systematically disadvantaged. Uh, disadvantage. The, the recipient receives Bullock does $100,000 to donate to an organization of his choice. He pivoted back home to North Carolina and chose mm-hmm. the nonprofit uh, organization, uh, Kinston Teens, which is dedicated to helping and empowering young people. It's cool to hear from Chris Suggs, the the, the organization's founder who said, quote, it really blew my mind. I can't say I'm surprised because of his advocacy and a lifting advocacy of marginalized communities. Uh he absolutely deserves this award, but to see it all come into play and in fruition, we're excited to see what it means for this organization. Listen, it, it means massive and impactful dollars to continue the great work of that organization.
2: Yeah. No, it means uh, it means a lot because um, you know, everyone's always looking for help, but when you can find it through um uh, a generous donation uh, and a contribution for this award, not only does it bring light to the initiative, but it also gives it some legitimacy as well. You know, and when I say legitimacy, I'm talking about Reggie Bullock's now, his name being associated with it as well. So it's like, wow. And that's, what does that do that now bring it creates more attention and now creates more people who want to donate and be a part of it. So that's why I really think that this, how, how big this is, um, for not only Reggie and also the North
1: Carolina community as well. Kudos to Bullock kudos to the national basketball association for this initiative and, uh, congratulations to, uh, the organization, uh, as they get to continue to, uh, foster their work and would have anyway, but it's just so good to, to have these unexpected uh, <laughs> blessings that find their way. Absolutely, so, uh, the Kinston teens organization can keep it rolling. Um, I I don't feel like we were well outside of our usual purview. Um, We we do try to open up space uh, when it's called for. And again, before we walk out the door, it's important, uh, at least for me, and I I know for Purnell and you you as well, uh, to note that let's not get too far from the macro idea of trying to impact the right thing from gun violence, but the, the micro pain that will stay with these families in Texas forever. And yeah, just that uh, that's the hard part, man. We will continue on. A lot of
2: people will continue on, but these families will have to live with this for the rest of their lives and such senseless. And we just want to just want them to have a solution so that we don't want this to happen to the next
1: generation of people. Mm. Continue the discussion, engage your leaders, uh, look inward, and we will all continue to try to find some progress as as we move forward. For my partner, Kirk Morrison, great to be back with you, my man.
2: Absolutely, brother. As we
1: push forward (laughs) into our summer phase. I am Jason Jackson. We always appreciate our producer, Pernell Brown, for bringing this all together. We'll talk to you next time on Forward Progress.